Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So we thought we could uh, spend a little time before lunch um, seeing if there's any questions or things that you wanted to bring up about the theme or about practice for either Rinpoche or myself. You can direct it to either one of us. Direct it to both of you. Um, so if your practice yeah, like and this, on an angle like it. that Great. okay um, if your practice consists of curious spacious awareness that's everything is that a question that's a question When you say that's everything, you mean, is that all you have to do, or is that... Yes, is that all you have to do? (laughs) 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 Um, I'll I'll, I'll jump in, since I'm the one who brought up those words. Uh, It's a good start. (laughs) I, I think, basically that will lead to most everything. In, uh, implicit in there is a kindness, is a sense of connection, um, is a calm. You know, when I think about, when you say everything, I think of the seven factors of enlightenment, which are really covered by those that attitude mindfulness investigation energy joy calm concentration and equanimity so rather than giving you a list of seven things that you have to do Really, for me, the, the curiosity is, is the interest and the investigation, which also begets energy. Uh, the spaciousness is about the, the calm and the equanimity. The concentration will come of its own as you keep paying attention and bringing an interest to it. Um, so I'd say... Let that be the invitation. And, uh, you know, if you have any, anything behind the question, I'm, I'm interested if, uh, if there's something else that you're looking no, that, for. That covers it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, let's see. Over there, in the back over there. Well, when we're discussing the no-self, our society, I notice, reinforces self in the way that, well, who are you? What do you do? What is your work? And in a sense, it builds that self back up again. 
oh, you know, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm in this relationship, I'm in that. Our society doesn't support this view, although I have, you know. And it's like, when people ask you that, what are some, what are some of the dialogue we can use? Do you want to say anything? you go ahead. So... You know, I think it's best to be natural. Uh, you know, you don't want to say uh, necessarily these five aggregates <laughs> that that are called James wants to, you know, go for a walk. Uh, so you, you want to be both um, not caught in the language, but use it use it with with ease um, and it's true of course that our society you know this is not just our society the buddha was talking about this 25 2600 years ago how easy it is to get caught in the sense of of self um, but it's operating on two levels on the one hand there's james with my personality and my particular uh, strengths and weaknesses and all of that, um, that is useful to, uh, to understand and explore. But on another, when I remember, I'm just kind of playing at the game of being James. So... It's the only, it's the only show in town, but to realize it's just a show, <laughs> and it's just a game, then you can take it a bit more lightly. So, as far as what when somebody says, "What do you do?" You know, just whatever spontaneously comes out. You know, whether it's what you do for a living or what you do for fun or what you do what you're doing in the moment. Um, you might come up with a with a, with a response that really works for you if you want to play around with not being stuck in the solidity of self, but you can also just be very natural and realize this is just this is just one level of reality, and there's an awareness that is watching the whole movie. So wait a second, just uh, yeah. Oh. No, I, I don't have anything else. Okay. okay. So, did you have a question? Here, right up front. So, um, at the beginning... Real close. At the beginning of the day, um, uh, you spoke of uh, no self um, from the perspective of, I guess, states of, of freedom of self con- from self-consciousness, so mm-hmm. absorption in an activity. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess I'm still confused as to how that experience, which which I've had, and I think I and and, and which I seek, you know, mm-hmm. um, does or doesn't relate to this to this question of dif- different levels of, of description of, of reality of of you know having an identity and a personality versus. Yeah, the the thing you just spoke to in response to the other person's question—that is, those two 
experiences or ideas seem very different to me. Um, there, I guess I'll go again. Um, there are different dimensions of the selfless nature of reality. Um, and it's good to see that we all know that experience when we're not in the way, when we're somehow, you know, absorbed. You're probably familiar with the, uh, with the concept of flow, um, which is when you're completely engaged in an activity and it's just, it's life moving through you. That's an experience of, to one degree, of no self. Although you're not, there's not an awareness that's noticing, oh, and now there's no self. Uh, in fact, <laughs> you're not around to, to say, this is no self, or it is or it isn't. But to, when you come back from that experience, just like when, when you sometimes in very deep meditative states uh, have an experience where you're not around and then you come back, it's like, wow, what just happened? You know, where was I? Well, that's very cool. And it's very, it's very um, moving to see you don't have to be around, that when you're not around, it's actually very, uh, not only relaxing, but profound and, and freeing. And then there is the, the actual... Um, perspective of just, like I said, being the awareness or awareness knowing itself. And they're, they're, I, I see them as just two, two facets of the same thing. The, the, um, the main, um, the main uh, characteristic being there's not a reference to me of how am I doing or Am I enough? Or any kind of I-making, I-making or me-making, mind-making. And uh, one is a real cognizance of that, and one is just a freedom from the, the, uh, the thought or the thoughts because there's a complete engagement. That's how I see it. Anyway. Yeah, Thank you both. Um, is this working? Yeah, real close. Real close. Okay. That's it. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, it seems like some forms of self or manifestations of self are really obvious or big, like anger or wanting things like a new car or something like that. But then there are other forms that may be more subtle, like uh, self-masquerading as compassion in a sense or something like that. And I was wondering what would be a good way to approach that or be aware of that or what might be a good technique around these sort of uh, more dressed up versions of, of self. Mm -hmm. You mean, oh, I'm really compassionate now or... Uh... Yeah, why are they upset with me? I was just trying to be nice or I don't know. Something like that. Say <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> 
there was a pause, silence, and some of you may have found that it was very liberating, but perhaps some of you found that it was a little bit discomforting, because the mind wants to know the answer. And when the answer is not presented, then mind thinks that something has been failed in the universe. And somehow the question is not answered, or need is not met, and so forth. So sometimes when we talk about notions of no-self, anatta. It's quite interesting uh, work of the consciousness because we say the no-self is actually a word. It's just another concept. It's a good concept, but it's still concepts. Self is concept and no self is concept. But we say we use the concept of no self as a medicine to heal concepts of self, which is an illness, a conceptual illness. And once that illness is healed, then there's no need to keep using that medicine. So ultimately, uh, no self is a concept. Because it's concepts, we can talk about it forever. Mm-hmm. We can debate about it forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Without having a, this mm-hmm. genuine experience of being freed. Yes, the, now there's a no self complex. <laughs> <laughs> and some people are wishing that he or she never said there's no self, <laughs> because that won't be any more question. <laughs> because now the mind has to prove there's no self. But obviously there are many logics, many evidences countering the such assumption that there's a self. So and our mind is a finding this uh, discomfort because it cannot hold on to the assumption of self anymore. But they cannot also find the easy footing on the this sense of no self either because uh, somehow um, life, uh, the familiar Existence is not completely proving that there's no self, or at least we are not experiencing the no self. You see, so like here uh, in Buddhism, what is happening right now is called a dialogue. Uh, when we read sutras, either Nikaya sutras or the Sanskrit sutras, there is a. a method that Buddha has been always imploring. And in Tibetan, this is called a drawlang, means a dialogue. Uh, it's question went back and forth. 
Sometimes Buddha asked his disciples the questions, and sometimes his disciples asked him questions. There was actually one disciple named Subuddhi who was always arguing back with Buddha. <laughs> and he keeps arguing all the way to the end of the sermon. In the end, there was always big illumination in the minds of everybody. So what is happening right now is a dialogue, but dialogue is actually a form of a meditation. It's a very active meditation. So when we have this question answers, uh, please don't worry that uh, whether you're understanding it or not. You don't have to understand anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you have to understand anything? No, you don't have to understand anything. <laughs> and I cannot make you understand anything <laughs> either. <laughs> so all we can do is enjoy this process. This is a meditation. This is amazing work because the consciousness is trying to wake up itself. This is what is happening. Hmm? Every time we have question, every time you have a slightest desire to know, the truth, the consciousness is a truly working with so much zeal and aspiration to wake up to self because that's all you need to do. But no self is very good. It's a very good concept because this concept is very shocking and it contradicts every notion of reality that you have been believing. It's like Sometimes you hear, have you remember the first time you heard this concept, no self, mm-hmm. in life? I'm sure it was shocking. Mm-hmm. Yes, startling and make you stop thinking for a while. Either you agree with it or not. doesn't matter, there's nothing to agree with. Agreeing and not agreeing still is a work of the, this rational thinking mind. So... Th- in the end, uh, even Shantideva says, uh, first uh, he said, in his very renowned uh, work, Bodhicharatara, he said, first uh, to, to train yourself, your mind, with self, with the no self, because no self will counter this self. And then one day you even have to drop that concept, the mm-hmm. no-self. You have to go beyond everything, all concepts, negating, asserting, you see? That's what mind does. Mind negates something and then assert another. And till this morning, perhaps, our mind has been affirming the self. And now the mind is negating the self. <laughs> This is called no self. This is no self sport. <laughs> <laughs> the question: What are you doing with this sport? <laughs> are we getting anywhere or not? <laughs> it's a form of sport, but it is good sport in the end. <laughs> but if you enjoy this sport with so much love, then something will happen. Something will happen either during the meditation or because James says something or I say something. Or something happens always. A miracle happens. The opening happens. Basically, 
I believe that the miracle always comes from the in, intention. This is all we need, intention. There's a right intention and there's a wrong intention. Buddha talked about. Of course, uh, we can go through a whole lengthy list of what the wrong intention is and what the right intention. Usually ego itself is wrong intention. And ultimately, everything is wrong intention except the intention to be free. Intention to realize the highest truth, even you have no idea what the highest truth is, it doesn't really matter. It's like when you are growing up in small villages in third world countries like myself, and you look out at the mountain in the east, you have never been other side of the eastern mountain. But you always want to go. You always want to go and to see what is there behind that eastern mountain. There's always curious and there's always longing to go and to the other side. Even you have no idea what lies the other side of the great eastern mountain. And it's something like that and that's why when you enter the path, there's something you learn. And this notion of entering path is a very old message Buddha talked about, entering path. Not only Buddha, all the ancient masters talked about the, the benefit of entering path. Even though path itself is sometimes just a mental construct, but the entering path is very much the initial step in your human life on the path to freedom, which is available. Freedom is always available. So there are ways to defining what means to enter path. Of course, the symbolically we enter path in Buddhism when we take refuge. Wow. Some traditions give you names and ask you to change your clothes or cut your hair or let your hair grow long. <laughs> Depend on the tradition, yes. <laughs> Some say, now you have to grow your hair because you entered the path. Others say, now you have to keep shaving your hair because you entered the path. <laughs> so the, the expression is not so important. <laughs> but enter... In an ultimate sense, we began to enter path. Doesn't matter if we start shaving our hair or letting our hair grow long. The moment we have this intention to realize the highest truth, whatever that is. You may have a pretty good idea of what the highest truth is. You may have no idea what the highest truth is. But this is something you learn when you enter the path. And you learn how to love. Love of that is the truth. And keep loving it, even you don't know what it is. So on the path we learn, not so much theory and knowledge, but we learn a feeling, a, a divine feeling, a spiritual feeling. It's the love of the truth. This undone love of the truth. And this is what... Uh, even mystics talks about 
great mystics in other traditions talks about love of the God. But they are maybe talking about love of the truth. And in Son, if you keep nourishing and cultivating this love, and this love keeps getting bigger and bigger to the extent everything becomes secondary to you. Every another form of a desire and love intention becomes secondary to that love. Of course, to love a truth does not mean that you have no longer any other forms of mind and love. Yes, still you have a love of your pet, <laughs> and still you'll be petting your pet. <laughs> and you keep petting lot of things you love. Petting your car, your pet. Yes. There are a lot of love. Of course, there are a lot of desire, desire for luxury and pleasure. And the point is not about uh, giving up all your earthly desires and passion and become uh, some strange spiritual renunciate. That is not the point. Point is that your love of truth is so strong that all other desire, all other passion becomes secondary to it. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, uh, I was uh, talking with a friend of mine who is a Tibetan Lama. His name is Kwambu uh, Oriyanchewa. And we talked about life of some of the great. Uh, enlightened masters in the Buddhist tradition, or the Mahasiddhas. There are many Mahasiddhas in all Buddhist traditions, in Theravadan tradition, in Zen tradition, in Tibetan tradition. So we talked about um, two of the most renowned Mahasiddhas in Tibetan tradition, uh, whose names are Shakarpa and Zapata Rinpoche. And uh, he said uh, he has idea, theory, why they become enlightened. I told him, tell me what your theory is. <laughs> <laughs> and he said they dedicated their love 100% to the path, path of enlightenment. And that's why they succeed at the journey in lifetime. What he is saying, basically, they have a love of the truth. And their love of the truth is stronger than anything else. Mm-hmm. And when this happens, then it doesn't really matter whether you realize the truth or not. It's a very strange experience because then that's the only time you don't care whether you realize the truth or not. Because you love it so much. Does it make sense? <laughs> Maybe this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Of course, in the end, nothing makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and when you lose your rational mind, nothing makes sense. It's not about making sense or not making sense. But you love so much the truth that you don't care whether you realize truth or not. Only ego cares realizing truth or not. Even only ego cares freedom 
ego is always sand, sitting in the empty temples and liberate me, please liberate me, I want to be free, I want to be free, be free anybody else. <laughs> and there's no more generosity and no more humor in the ego. Ego becomes serious, uh, spiritual marathon. <laughs> Does this make sense? The love doesn't care. That's a bodhisattva doesn't care whether she's enlightened or not. She doesn't care whether she's free or not because she used to care, but then she ended up loving so much this ten quarter truth and emptiness. She doesn't care. There's only generosity in her heart. Her generosity is that she gives away all her love and aspiration to the well-being of all living beings. But there's no more I who cares about freedom either. So this has to happen somewhere in our heart. This love has to happen. When this love happens and then nothing can distract you and nothing can ultimately refrain you from becoming free. Whenever that happens, who knows? But nothing can distract you, nothing can hinder your path when that love is inside you. Hmm? So, in this, it's not knowledge, this is a feeling. Nobody can teach you the feeling, nobody can teach you love, for example. Nobody can really ultimately teach you feeling something you have to develop. Yes, people can help you. I'm sure certainly when you look into your heart at the end of this day, you may realize that your love of truth grew one inch today. <laughs> so every effort that you exert today was worthwhile. It's not so much really me giving you a profound message and you understood what no self is and not like that. It's a process. It can be a long process. It's a dance. It's a path of uh, willingness and surrender and waiting too. And it's because this path is lifetime's path. So just keep that love. And then miracle happens. It always happens. And then it is true, while Jim is giving you this profound message or me giving you a gesture, the mind will open. Mind will realize the truth. And mind realizes no self. Mind realizes that itself. That's all there is. Mind realizes itself. When I say mind, I do not mean this uh, mind that uh, we are dealing with most of the time. Mm-hmm. I have uh, friends, a group of singers, and they are actually country western singers. <laughs> and one of them <laughs> wrote a nice uh, song, and lyric says, My mind has its own mind. Not that mind. That mind is very troubled. Yes, that's why everybody is dealing with their mind. We are learning meditation, how to control our mind, because our mind is so crazy. 
you see, not that mind. But there's another level of mind, which is a true mind. Actually, this mind you're experiencing right now, you see, this consciousness that you're experiencing right now, it's enlightened, but I call it a crazy Buddha. This consciousness is enlightened, but it's crazy, isn't it? So I call it a crazy Buddha. (laughs) Does this make sense? It will make sense. Wait for a few seconds. <laughs> so it's a crazy Buddha. There's a crazy Buddha in the universe right now. Is the consciousness. It's a crazy. It's already crazy, you see? Yes, it's a crazy already. Trying to figure out what no self is, it's a crazy. <laughs> because nothing has to be figured out. But mind is trying to figure out what no self is, trying to negate the self is. It's very crazy because in the ground of everything there's no effort. Mm -hmm. There's only this divine, eternal Mm -hmm. restfulness. But mind is working very hard. He's exerting effort and constructing stories, constructing illusions, and now trying to deconstruct the illusion that it created. How crazy it is. Does this make sense? Uh, so there's no effort in the ground of all things, which is the absolute truth, there's no effort. But there's a lot of effort happening in the mind, you see right now. Is this effort useless or useful? It's very useful, even though it's utterly expression of the craziness, and the primordial ignorance. So what I'm saying is actually... It's not my personal revelation. This is, a, again, the fundamental teaching of uh, Buddhism. Uh, Buddhist logician Dharma Kirti says, when he encountered argument from a school of thoughts in India who believed that uh, human beings cannot be enlightened. And his argument was that the nature of mind is already luminous. That's why there is freedom, enlightenment can happen. Actually, freedom, enlightenment is the truth. Suffering and delusion are false. Freedom, enlightenment, love are eternal. And the ground of all things. Whereas suffering, misery, delusion are illusion, temporary, it's the manifestation rather than the ground. Mm-hmm. There's a ground and there's a manifestation. Mm-hmm. So suffering is a manifestation of ground. And their manifestation is transient and the temporary, it can change. Manifestation can change into another manifestation. Mm-hmm. In this very moment, the manifestation of Suffering can immediately change into manifestation of bliss, and manifestation of a contraction can immediately change into manifestation of opening. But the ground itself is unchangeable. It's love. Ground is love. Love is the ground of all things. So we can form love, and we dissolve into love. So this. Consciousness that your experience and self is actually already enlightened, but uh, it's a uh, 
as I said, is crazy, but uh, am I taking too much time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably oh, uh, go for lunch to soon. Lunch, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, let's continue this after the news. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, before, there's a sheet of announcements somewhere I had here. I'm not sure what I did with it. Oh, well. There were some important things I was supposed to say (laughs) to you. Um, But... I'll just uh, say a couple of things. First of all, just to follow up on on what Rinpoche is saying, as as you go into the the lunch, um, I'm reminded of a a line from the Third Zen Patriarch that says, stop talking and thinking, and there's nothing you'll not be able to know. And so... You, you don't. You know how that is when you kind of let go of the figuring out and you just allow the mind to be open. Understandings sometimes shine through, insights shine through, not because you're trying to figure anything out, but because the mind is open and relaxed and then the wisdom and the love, which is your true nature, can shine through. So... Don't spend your lunch hour trying hard to figure out no self. (laughs) Just uh, let yourself relax and enjoy being here. And anytime, it's just a suggested little um, invitation. Anytime you either notice I or thoughts referring to yourself... Or you feel a contraction in any way in your body, which is just often another expression of that I or some kind of creation of self defending against Mm -hmm. the world outside. To see it um, with kindness, compassion, Mm -hmm. patience, humor, if you can, don't take it personally. It's just what minds do. And actually, delight in the seeing of it. There's a line I love from Pema Chodron. She says, delight in that which sees the dukkha. (laughs) Because there's an awareness, oh, seeing it, how wonderful. Instead of, oh my goodness, what a mess in there. It's like, ah, this is the way to freedom. Oh, I see how self is created, how wonderful. And then just relax into the awareness that, that sees or relax into the delight of just being alive in this moment. Either way is, is, uh, is an invitation to um, open from that contracted either mental or physical state into space, into that being spacious. So basically there's a whole long way of saying Enjoy your lunch. Uh, uh, 